This podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience at Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. Sort of break it, break it down like this. You're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast with Joe and Matt. Welcome to the sixth episode of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast. Ladies and gentlemen, it's official. We're the fifth best comic book podcast in the whole universe. And there was much rejoicing. Big thanks to Whitney Matheson from the USA Today's Pop Candy blog. The USA Today? Yeah, the USA Today. It's right. a popper now. Okay. For including us on her top ten list, and if you uh, don't read her blog, you should because it really is great. But enough of this back padding. Let's get to it. My name is Matt Baum, and I write about and appraise comics for WorthPoint.com. I'm Joe Patrick, manager of Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska, and artist and co-creator of the comic strip Good Plus. This week you'll hear reviews of Silver Surfer number one and Shield number six. We'll look ahead to some of next week's comics and answer some of your burning questions. But before we get to all that, we'll look right past little stories about riots in the Middle East and Wisconsin and talk about this week's big news. We have a Wonder Woman. Adrian Palicki has been cast as the Amazon princess in David E. Kelly's upcoming Wonder Woman pilot for NBC. She's 5'11", she's hot, she was a slut on Friday Night Lights. Joe, what more could we possibly want? Um, I would want it to not be about weird legal uh, drama, which is what we're going to get. You don't want to see high-powered lawyer Wonder Woman fighting an evil pharmaceutical company and Uh, trying to balance her social dating and professional (laughs) life? I don't want the comic strip Kathy... Brought to life on my television. Uh, She's gonna eat chocolate and go. Ack! Yeah, I don't. I don't want. I don't want uh, Liz Lemon as a Wonder Woman. No. At least there's forward momentum. Like this thing has been stalled. For I, months. I don't think that's good. I, I don't think forward momentum is a good thing, and I don't think David E. Kelly is an, is the guy for this. I think that she's an actually pretty good choice because she's tall and kind of muscular and sure, she's sure. very pretty. You know, but. It sounds like this is going to be terrible. Well, I know, based like, on the scripts that leaked on the internet, and maybe those aren't real. I don't know, but what I read was exactly what I said: high-powered lawyer fighting an evil pharmaceutical balancing company, balancing her three different yeah. aspects of her life. It's like I like David E. Kelly. Like I was a huge fan of The Practice and uh, Boston Legal, but there are other shows that he's made, like <laughs> Ally McBeal. Ally McBeal, for example, which is awful. And this feels sorry, like female listeners. Ally McBeal with superheroes. I don't need it. Which would make it even more awful. I don't want it. I have so little interest in the Wonder Woman TV show, I feel ashamed. I I feel like I should turn in my nerd badges. In other Hollywood news, Shane Black, writer of several of our favorite action movies, such as the Lethal Weapon Quadrilogy, Monster Squad, and director of the vastly underappreciated Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, is officially the director of the next Iron Man movie. Good news, or were you hoping for somebody like... Uwe Boll. I thought it was Uwe Boll, but that's because I'm an American idiot, apparently. And his movies are terrible. But no, I think this is excellent. I think it's a great idea. I love Shane Black. I, I mean, I unabashedly love Lethal Weapon 1, 2, and 3. I thought 4 was not great, but there were things about it that I can watch. <laughs> I loved Monster Squad as a kid. Who doesn't and, love Monster yeah, Squad? Yeah, it still holds up, too, man. It's yeah. a great film. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was his directorial debut, and it was a film that I absolutely adored. And it was Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer just in some of the best, really quick, smart dialogue back and forth. And I I just, nobody writes Robert Downey Jr. like Shane Black. And I'm so excited to see him write Tony Stark. Well, here's hoping Val Kilmer's in Iron Man 3. Yeah, I'm hoping Gay Perry makes an appearance. (laughs) I would love it. 
Finally, this week Nick Spencer was announced as the new writer on Secret Avengers after Ed Brubaker takes his leave. Spencer is relatively new to the scene, but has created quite a buzz with his work on Morning Glories from Image and DC's Thunder Agents. What do you think, Joe? Is Spencer the new Brubaker? I think it's a little early to call him the new Brubaker, but he's certainly on the rise. Like you said, he's got a lot of buzz behind him, and his books have been pretty universally acclaimed. Uh, I haven't read all of them. I really am enjoying his indie work at Image. Morning Glories is totally weird, and Infinite Vacation is also totally weird. Yeah, like fans of Lost, I think, would really enjoy Morning Glories. But, uh, oh, yeah. But they're great. They're great. And uh, Thunder Agents, as listeners of the show know, uh, is a favorite of ours. And so I'm excited to see where he's going, and I'm glad to see him getting some high-profile work. Absolutely. Um, unfortunately, I think this probably spells doom for Thunder Agents. Poor Thunder Agents. Yeah, because unf- it's such a great book, but nobody's buying it. Really low sales numbers, and he's getting high-profile jobs like Secret Avengers and next week's Iron Man 2.0. So I'm guessing Marvel has sweetened the deal a little well, more than DC is. Yeah, and well, there was that kind of weird hiccup where he was announced as the new writer on Supergirl. And then immediately... For exactly one issue. They, they were like, do over. Nope. <laughs> yeah. And so I just don't know if Marvel made him an offer he couldn't refuse or if DC wasn't giving him what he needed or if he just really likes Marvel. You well, know? regardless, I think Marvel's a really exciting place to work right now. And from his point of view, he sees guys like Jonathan Hickman and For Matt sure. Fraction who moved up the ranks so quickly... I mean, Fraction's writing X-Men, and Hickman's writing Fantastic Four. Yeah. And these are guys that two years ago were indie darlings at best. Yeah. Uh, Marvel certainly seems to be the the place to be for indie creators that want to raise their profile. And as much as I love DC, I love DC. Joe Patrick, my whole famous heart. DC apologist, I love it the truth, folks. So much. DC's not necessarily known as the place to cultivate and uh, build up young talent. No, and it's it's too bad, too, because a lot of these guys at Marvel that I really enjoy, I would love to see them write some DC books and breathe some life into some of these franchises that are kind of stale right now, honestly. Yeah. But uh, I'm excited for them to take over Secret Avengers. I hope they go more of a Heroes for Hire kind of way with it, where we focus more on individual members of the team rather than just having sort of this loose Avengers group that reacts to stuff secretly. (laughs) Well, I mean, they are advertising this as like Steve Rogers picking a new group, you know, so it seems like he's going to pick and choose his team as needed. That's cool. That's exactly Um, where it should be, in my opinion. Which makes it exactly like the 90s Secret Defenders book. (laughs) (laughs) Secret Defenders, for our younger listeners, was a terrible comic. (laughs) It was really bad. Uh, Hopefully, uh, not Fraction. Who are we talking about? We're talking about Nick Spencer. Nick Spencer. Sorry, Nick. Hopefully, That's what an embolism sounds like, folks. (laughs) Hopefully Nick Spencer can keep the high-level quality that he has uh, brought to his other stuff. All right, that's the big news for this week. If you've got some stories to discuss, hit us up on our Facebook page, where Yui Bull is most certainly calling us out right now. Let's move on <laughs> to know, our... You he li- know, he'll fight us. I know, he offered to fight a lot of his critics. Yes. And he did. There's a YouTube video of him boxing one, and I think he won pretty convincingly. Let's try to get him on the show. Well, you know what? We're going to throw that up on our Facebook page, too. Let's move on to our reviews of some comics that came out this past Wednesday, February 16th. Joe, what gave you a massive throb... I'm sorry, this is a clean podcast. I forgot. Man. For those of you out there in Radioland, the paper scripts that we have in front of us are filthy. I can't help but sneak these horrible jokes into They're the script. riddled with profanity <laughs> and vulgarity, and it is all that I can do to rein him in and keep this podcast PG. So, Joe, what did you read this week? Uh, 
I read Shield Number Six from Marvel Comics, written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Dustin Weaver. Our, the story title was The Master's Hand. And this is the final issue in the f- quote unquote first volume. And the good news is it answered all our questions. <laughs> now we know exactly what's happening. <laughs> yeah. The armies of Sir Isaac Newton and Leonardo da Vinci threatened to tear apart the immortal city and only young Leonid... Leonid? Leonid. Leonid stands in their way. Why can't we read? I don't know. (laughs) Meanwhile, the time-lost S.H.I.E.L.D. agents Howard Stark and Nathaniel Richards fight to save the life of the man that stands in opposition to everything S.H.I.E.L.D. represents. Nikola Tesla, the Night Machine. Sounds so cool when you read it like that. It does. This series is so dense... And full of huge ideas that it can sometimes be difficult to piece everything together. Yeah, I would say the chunkiest series out there right now. Like, chunky in a good way. Sure. But, man, is this a read. You like like your comics chunky. I like my comics chunky. (laughs) Like, Donovan McNabb likes his suit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This issue uh, did feel... (laughs) Yes. uh, This issue felt a little bit more simply told, if that makes some sense. Uh, But it was no less... Action-packed. They spelled it out a yeah. little bit. You know, somehow Hickman answers questions. You know, he fills in some gaps in the Night Machine story in this issue. But simultaneously, he opens the door to more mysteries, uh, but not in that very annoying uh, lost kind of way. See, that's funny because I was just going to make a lost reference too, and I was going to say what this issue reminded me of is like when we would get three episodes of Lost where you're pulling your hair out going, what is happening? And then they have one that kind of lays it out for you and goes, well, here's what was going on in those three episodes, but man, is it going to be screwed up for the next four? (laughs) (laughs) The art by Dustin Weaver is phenomenal. Relatively speaking, he's an unknown, though he has been around for a while. He came to Marvel from Dark Horse's Star Wars line uh, via some fill-in work in the X office. Uh, and he is just killing it on this book. Yeah, really. It, it's gorgeous. Yeah, the level of detail is fantastic. And what I love the most are the little touches that he throws in, like uh, the swarm of machinery yeah. that is surrounding uh, Howard Stark. And like looking back, I, I think that both of those agents had that sort of thing. But in this issue, it's just on Howard. And so it really made me think, yeah, like, this guy's Iron Man's dad. Yeah, Howard Stark, who is Tony Stark's father. Yeah. Somehow, I didn't pick up on that until this issue. Well. I don't know if I'm an idiot, but. We've I, already established that you can barely read. It's so. true. Uh, big thumbs up to colorist Christina Strain. It's it's hard to do your job really well and yet not make it stand out. Like, I tend to notice it when it's bad. Yeah. Like, the hardest part of being a colorist in my opinion, is making your artist look incredible. Yeah, and she does it, and she is a pro. She's been around, relatively speaking, not for too terribly long, but she has been uh, coloring for a few years now. She best known for uh, Brian K. Vaughn's Runaways. Oh, that's right. Uh, colorist for Adrian Alfona. Uh, also doing a great job is lettering legend Todd Klein. Uh, this guy letters 90% of Vertigo's output. Uh, and he is doing a bang-up job on S.H.I.E.L.D. People said we were nerds for, like, talking about colors, so now here we are talking <laughs> about letterers. Most modern letterers look exactly the same. You know, since the of advent of, like, computer I lettering. I think a lot of it's done by computer. It's the very, very probably. similar. And I actually, like, noticed in this issue the designs of the different sound effects. Yeah, like the way Tesla spoke, 
the way the ghosty bird girl. Ghosty bird girl. Talk. Yeah, I think yeah, that's like... her name. <laughs> uh, but specifically, I'm talking about like the explosion sound effects and the laser sound effects and that yeah. sort of thing. Like they just looked different from every other book out there. And that is Todd Klein, the dude that wins the Eisner like every year for best letterer. And this, you can see why. Like I said at the beginning of the review, this is the end of uh, Volume 1, and it does have a sense of finality to it. Uh, the war between Newton and Da Vinci is treated as an inevitability uh, with no clear sense of who's right and who's wrong. Which is comic fans, we've been waiting to see Leonardo Da Vinci beat the crap out of <laughs> Isaac Newton for I don't know how long. <laughs> he had it coming. Uh, Newton certainly appears to be the villain here, but it's implied that there is no right side. All that said, it still sets the stage for what's coming next. Uh, the identity of the Forever Man is revealed in what is surely the coolest cliffhanger featuring yeah. a naked, glowy man that I have ever, <laughs> ever read. I've seen some pretty cool naked, glowy men. I don't know. <laughs> if you can't track down the uh, really hard-to-find back issues, be sure to pick up the collected edition, which is coming soon. I imagine that as much as I enjoy it as it is, uh, it will be greatly benefited from reading it in one sitting. Oh, absolutely. I will say I was a little lost in the beginning just because it was so bizarre, but there was enough to keep you interested. And the little touches that they did, because this did not feel like a Marvel title when it first started at all. It just didn't. I don't think it was supposed to be. I, and it wasn't at all. It was setting up where the Marvel Universe goes. But there were little things that they dropped in. Like the first time we see the Chinese astronomer spotting the celestial. Yeah. Like, oh, uh, man, that was good. <laughs> uh, Imhotep and Apocalypse repelling a brood invasion. Yeah, so cool. Like Just little tiny things. In this issue, when Stark and Richards jump into the future... And the world is kind of this jungle oh, wasteland, yeah, and there's a statue of Immortus, Immortus yeah. in the background. I love like it. so much fun. Uh, so they keep it connected to the Marvel universe, but they're definitely building this very Da Vinci Code kind of secret history sure. of the Marvel universe. I love it. This is an excellent book. You bet. I gave it a strong buy. Yeah, I strong buy it for me as well. Awesome. How about you, Matt? <sighs> I really want to say it, but if you can't. I can't read what you wrote down. I write in all these. What did you review, you <laughs> sick, sick, filthy man? Uh, I read The Silver Surfer number 1 from Marvel by Greg Pak with art by Steven Segovia. This book basically takes place five minutes after the Chaos War ended. Galactus is mortally wounded, and the surfer is forced to put him into the sun so that he can recharge. In the meantime, he spends some time on Earth where he encounters Susie Endo, Formerly the Cybermancer, who we yes. haven't seen, I don't think, from since Force Works. Uh, no, she was in Greg Pak's War Machine series what? from a couple how, years ago. How does Greg Pak love Susie Endo so much? Who doesn't? I, I was barely aware of her until I got on Wikipedia. She worked for Tony <laughs> Stark, apparently, in the Far East Stark Tech division. And as usual, he runs in some trouble with uh, some feisty guys in powered armor, which we don't really know much about them yet. And eventually, the High Evolutionary shows up. Ah. So, Last week, I said on this very program that Greg Pak would be the perfect guy to deliver the moody highbrow sci-fi that the surfer needs. And after all, the surfer really is Marvel's head-brooding crybaby. The guy's job is to find worlds for its master Galactus to devour for a paycheck. And it's been uh, weighing on him. He's real upset about it. Always. It's been weighing on him really heavily since the 60s when we first met him. Right. But page one, frame one, Pak delivers exactly what I want to see in a Silver Surfer book. We see a posed lone surfer brooding over the end of the Chaos War and how fleeting the victory seems in the face of his terrible responsibilities. And there's this great line to start it out. 
Now the great thrum of cosmic awareness surges through me. I bond with the universe, privy to its secret glories, and cursed with the knowledge of the terrible sacrifice its existence requires. That is the Silver Surfer. <laughs> That's what I want to read. You know, I like crazy yeah. psychedelic brooding sci-fi. Yeah, the the first six or eight pages perfectly encapsulate the heart of this character. Just nail it. Uh, he's at his best when he is contrasted against like the more emotional human. Yeah, like trying to figure out characters. where he lost his own humanity. Yeah, and that dude has complex feelings about his lack of feelings. <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, that side of him is not often highlighted you know so often we get like the the all-powerful guy that right. swoops in and saves the day well marvel's been trying to figure out what to do with the surfer's character for years now yeah and, like most recently we saw him kidnapping gifted children to aid an alien race and fighting off like some godlike evil character which was called marduk i didn't read the series marduk marduk i looked this up i didn't uh, read it i love his comic strip <laughs> then we <laughs> That dog is always yeah, in to trouble. fight Marmaduke. <laughs> then we saw him as a gladiator in Planet Scar during the Planet Hulk storyline, which is also written by Pack, and most recently seemed a little more recognizable in the pages of Abnett Landing's Annihilation. But Pack Surfer is definitely the one I recognize, and yeah. this is where the character should be. The last time I remember loving the Surfer this much in a solo book was when uh, J.M. Dematius was writing back in 1998. It was towards the end of the 80s Silver Surfer series. John J. Muth was the artist. Yeah. And it was a storyline where... That was in the mid-90s. An artistic genius accidentally summoned this, like, Borg-type computer, living computer to the Earth. Ugh. Oh, it was it was terrifying and excellent. But uh, the story back then was very true to what Stanley and Mobius did with their groundbreaking Silver Surfer storyline that, I like, first turned me on to the Silver Stan Surfer. Stanley, huh? Yeah, the two-issue Silver Surfer. It was so good. And I'd never really read him before then. It, and it still holds up. Everyone should read that. But it, it's very highbrow, psychedelic sci-fi. The best part is there's no real pressure here for the story because it is just a limited series. So they can do pretty much whatever they want with the character without it getting too drawn out and boring and long-winded. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't think Silver Surfer is capable of carrying his own long-running series. I mean, we tried it several times. And eventually, there's just not enough writers out there that can nail this one. Yeah. It, it's been a long time since the surfer has had an, a successful ongoing run. Uh, and even even back then, when he did have what was essentially an ongoing book, every writer's take was so different. Yeah. You know, that it, they might as well have been broken up into chunks. Yeah, I mean, the, the limited series definitely is the best format for this character. I agree. And the one thing I like about this is they're not disconnecting it from the Marvel U at all, which is normally yeah. done with the Silver Surfer because nobody really knows what to do with him. There's a great page where we see him just sort of watching some of the events that are taking place in Greg Pak's current Incredible Hulk storyline and Dan Slott's Amazing Spider-Man storyline. And it's just this little nod to let the reader know this is happening right now, not in a pocket universe, not a different timeline. Yeah. Pack makes good use of characters from some of his other work. Like I said, Susie you know, Endo. Susie for Endo was a character that Pack kind of brought back to the forefront uh, in War Machine. Ties it into Chaos War a little bit, you know. So he do, does a good job. He like, knows how to sell these, back issues. Yeah, he does a good job, like keeping these ideas that and characters that he's cultivated, keeping them relevant. Might be the wrong word for somebody <laughs> like Susie Endo, but. You know what I'm saying. Around. Yeah, we'll say, around, around. Around. Uh, Steven Segovia's art here is gorgeous. Like, career-defining gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, I would love to own the third page of this book because it's 
an amazing. Oh, the Galactus page? Yeah, Surfer posed on his board, and he's racing through space with, like, crackling Kirby-esque cosmic energy coming off of his body. Yeah. You know, towing a wounded Galactus behind him. Oh, just excellent stuff. Uh, I did have a couple of issues with the art. I Overall, I thought it was, like you said, it was uh, a dynamic and stunning. Uh, but there are a couple of inconsistencies, like when the artist attempts foreshortened poses so like the camera is looking up from below or you know at a weird angle and the faces are just really off but like if it's a straight on shot i guess i did notice a couple yeah, yeah i didn't notice it's a, just a few a few spots where he tries a different angle and just can't quite pull it off but in the straight-on shots, the action poses, especially the art, is just incredible. I, I really liked his paneling in this issue, too, because it was very classic when it needed to be to develop the story. But then the second the surfer, like, unleashes his cosmic powers, he draws it literally destroying the framework of the comic. It, it, there's an amazing two-page spread where he's firing a blast from his hands. And the following three frames show the immediate damage, like, right in front of him, what he shot, and then how the explosion looks from a distance, and then how it looks from space. Yeah. And it's yeah. like the cosmic power that's coming out of him is just tearing the framework of the book apart. Yeah. So cool. And it, colorist Will Quintana, big props to this guy as well, because yeah. he does such a good job making outer space look very, you know, fantastic and psychedelic. While the Earth looks yeah, very recognizable, yeah. but the Silver Surfer still doesn't look like he belongs on Earth at all. Right. And he does a good job illustrating, uh, like, the colors really help illustrate the staggering amount of power. Yeah. So, like, when Silver Surfer is towing Galactus through space, well, they're in space, so there's no air, but the air is on fire yeah, with, like, you know, with energy. The ether is burning like, around could... <laughs> Very cool. Which they ha they've also had trouble with his characterization for so long. We know that he's one of the most powerful characters yeah. in the Marvel U, but having him punch people to prove it doesn't necessarily work. And speaking of the power cosmic, there was a scene that I really loved a little bit towards the end where Susie gets kind of a static shock yes. from the power cosmic. And is like moved to her, tears yeah, over her, it. Our eyes tear up. That really went a long way to showing like yeah. how. Um, or like, she's something to the effect of like, "Do you feel like this all the time?" And yeah. he says something to the effect like, of, "Not like you do. Not like you yeah. do." Yeah. Um, like, so just uh, it really hit home the contrast. He's got this amazing power. He's connected to this primordial force, and he's so disconnected from it. Yeah. And I just Which really loved that. Like one panel is all that was. Yeah. Two panels, and I thought it was it nailed it. Now, I'm predicting there could be some criticism of the number of splash pages in this book, but I will say Greg Pak does a really good job of fitting in quite a bit of story and making this a good read, while Segovia has a really several chances to show off just how good he is with this character. Loved it. Um, yeah, I really did. I loved it, and I look forward to the next few issues. I give this a very strong buy it. Likewise. So that's a double buy-up from both of us for Silver Surfer number one. Now let's take a look at the comics we're excited about for the week of Wednesday, February 23rd. Joe, what are you looking forward to? Terry Moore's Echo number 28. This shocks me. I, I love this comic. Not, the, not because Terry Moore is a bad writer. I just apparently totally missed this one. Oh, yeah. You are missing out. It's really good. Terry Moore is primarily known for his... Uh, Strangers romance comic, Paradise. Strangers in Paradise, which was fantastic. And it was that was not just uh, a romance either. It would it had like uh, you know criminal intrigue yeah. and it danger got really weird and, for a while there. <laughs> yeah, um, and Echo is the same. You know, it's got this drama, it's got action, it's got a kind of conspiracy bent, a little bit of sci-fi, 
And it is a phenomenal book. I demand you review this next week. So I, I will. So I read it. And the last issue had a cliffhanger that made it seem like he might be tying this book into Strangers in Paradise. What? Which is so crazy. I can't wait to see if no, it's yeah. accurate. Now I've got to read it. Yeah. So, Terry Moore's Echo 28, if you're not reading that book, you guys are missing out. Matt, what do you got? Uh, I'm picking Incredible Hulk 623 for the simplest of reasons. For my money, I think Dale Eaglesham is one of the best pencilers in the business right now. For sure. Nobody draws superhero comics like this. And this story takes place in the Savage Land, and that means Kazar and Zabu are there. And if Kazar and Zabu are in a book, I am down. <laughs> I am totally in. I love it. He's Marvel's Tarzan, and I love him. I agree. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, can't wait for this one. And Greg Pak does a great job with the Incredible Hulks, and I'm hoping I can... I've fallen off for a little bit because I was sort of tired of the I really the loved the last characters. couple. The, you said that. The Chaos War Aftermath. I may have to pick those up, but I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. Dale Eagle Sham, The Savage Land, Dinosaurs, Kazar, Zabu. Win. Probably Shanna as well. You know, gotta love it. Yeah. Now it's time to reach into our virtual mailbag once again and pull out a question from one of our lucky listeners. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Ask a Nerd time is here. This week's question comes from Jared via our Facebook page. Jared wants you, Joe, to name all the 1986 Marvel New Universe titles. <laughs> Okay. Now, this one is definitely where the nerds strike. I think it's a little too easy, so our buddy Sean from the Pull List podcast added that he would like you to add all the original Marvel 2099 launch <laughs> titles. So, let's do it. New Universe first. Joe Patrick, go. All right. Uh, so, there was Starbrand. Yes. Featuring that blonde fella. <laughs> uh, Spitfire and the Troubleshooters. Spitfire and the Troubleshooters, which what? I thought was a Crimson Dynamo. Was it? Okay. I should say, for the record, I have not read any of these books. <laughs> I only know them because I have an encyclopedia brain. Oh, I picked them up, baby. <clears throat> uh, there was Night Mask, which I think was like the first proper professional work from Mark Bagley. Which I bought because I thought he looked like Nightcrawler. No, man, he looked like Nightwing. Yeah, but he I He had that domino mask. I wasn't reading DC at the time. Oh, all right. Uh, there was Kicker's Inc., which was about football, I, th- I presume. Yes, Jack Magnacotti. <laughs> Who? Jack Magnacotti. He was a superpowered kicker. Wow. Yeah. I looked that up. I didn't know. Uh, DP7, which had a guy that looked like Sunspot from the New Mutants, right? Yes. Which, uh, which is why I picked that up. <laughs> you are gullible. I, I was a kid. I was an idiot. I was buying stuff at Osco Drug. Mark something. Mark Hazard? Mark Hazard. Merck. Mark Hazard Merck. <laughs> uh, Justice. Okay. Uh, which was kind of like a homicidal maniac in the Warren Ellis reboot of the new universe. Yes. Uh, and then there was Cyforce, which was about something. Psychic people. I don't know. <laughs> Just about psychic people. Now, the 2099 launch titles, if you please, sir. Okay, 2099, I'm all about. I lived and breathed 2099 when it Rattle came out. Rattle them off. Here we go. Uh, Spider-Man 2099. Okay. Long run by Peter David, fan favorite. Excellent. Yeah, Hold, still good. holds up today. The only one that was excellent, I would add. Yeah. Uh, Doom 2099. Not excellent. Uh, Warren Ellis wrote that book. He did. So. And Doom looked like he was the singer for a Norwegian death metal band. <laughs> he had spikes on his shoulders. <laughs> it was really bad. Uh, there was Punisher 2099, which... Uh, Terrible. The main character's name was Jake Gallows. <laughs> and his... Uh, what, were they, what was his parents thinking? His family was murdered by hoodlums. Uh, In the future. In the f- future hoodlums. And finally, there was Ravage 
2099, <laughs> written by our friend Stan Lee. It was about environmentalism. It was really weird. And it was a 90s, so they needed a character with a ponytail. No, he didn't have a ponytail. He had a mullet. Oh, that's right. Um, Serious mullet. And, like, Ravage was so terrible that when Stanley left the book, they promptly revamped it completely so that he was like some sort of monster. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. The future, folks. This yeah. stuff happens. Uh, those were the four launch titles. All right. And then later on, it was so popular, we got X-Men 2099, Fantastic yes. Four, Ghost Rider. X-Nation. Uh, X-Nation. 2099, man. Loved it. All right. That ought to be good for one nerd stripe. I should get two for that. Nah, you only get one. That was pretty easy for you. You guys can do better than this. We need your questions. We need you to stump Joe Patrick. Next week, we're going to try a new segment called Required Reading. That is a terrible name. It is not a terrible name. I hope we can find something flashier than that. Come up with a better name. For now, it's Required Reading, and what we're going to do, you guys are going to write in, tell us the stuff that you like, and we're going to suggest books that you might also enjoy. Things that you should be reading, and if you're not, you're a bad person. Exactly. That brings us to the end of another exciting episode. We want to thank all our listeners, new and old, for taking the time to listen to us ramble every week. Yes. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe on iTunes, where we're done begging for star ratings, and uh, <laughs> we're just going to start paying for them. Anyone who writes us a review or gives us a star rating can uh, drop by the shop, where we will pay you in one totally sweet high five. From and, the- and my high fives... They sting. That's right, buddy. I'm serious about them. It's, it's, that's how you know they're real. That's right. That's how we do it on the, the street. The tingling means it's working. So if you need more to add a nerd or you've got a nerd conundrum that you just can't crack or you're looking for re- recommended reading suggestions, say you were a big fan of uh, Kicker's Inc. growing up and or, you want us to just suggest something Or insane clown posse comics. <laughs> uh, the ups and downs of insane clowns. Po- <laughs> Post that stuff to our Facebook page where you can become a fan and check out our show notes also. You can also follow us on Twitter at TwoHeadedNerd. Or send an email to TwoHeadedNerd at gmail.com. You can follow my comic speculator blog where I write about comics new and old at WorthPoint.com. And follow me on Twitter at Matt Baumstein. And you can find updates to my webcomic at GoodPlusOnline.com. Follow us on Twitter at GoodPlusOnline. And follow me personally at JoePatrick116. Well, until next time, true believers, this is once again the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off. Auf Wiedersehen!